Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall, and this week the show is coming to you from Bellingham, Washington, where I'm talking with Austin Umbenetti Hutton, the head brewer of Aslan Brewing. We're going to take a stroll down memory lane, extol the virtues of ale and lager, and celebrate the community of beer. But first, All About Beer is back online and producing original content for beer enthusiasts and professionals. Visit allaboutbeer.com to see the latest. And if you want to support us in that endeavor, we've set up a Patreon for both readers and professional companies in the beer space. You can check out patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to learn more. And for more audio content, search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice and listen to the shows that are now available. We're able to bring you this show each week, thanks to the companies that support independent journalism in the beer space. You can learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates by emailing info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, today's episode is sponsored by New Holland Brewing. Did you know that the term dragon's milk has been around since the 17th century? It was used to describe potent ales and elixirs that were worthy of celebration, a reward at the end of a hero's journey. New Holland Brewing Company is proud to continue that tradition today with Dragon's Milk Bourbon Barrel Age Stout, clocking in at a robust 11% ABV and featuring notes of roasted malt, chocolate, and vanilla. The legend of Dragon's Milk continues to grow, and we'll raise a glass to that. Learn more, and you can find Dragon's Milk near you by visiting dragonsmilk.com. As the sojourn through the Pacific Northwest continues on the show, I'm thrilled to air this episode of the podcast that was recorded in Bellingham, Washington at the Aslan Brewing Depot, where head brewer Austin Mbetty Hutton joined me before a live audience on a wide-ranging conversation about his career, the beer Aslan is making, and the importance of community and creativity, plus a little bit more thrown in for good measure. Here's our conversation. And the motorcycle. And the motorcycle. I love that you have a parade. Uh, Austin, thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for the hospitality. It's great to be uh, back here at yeah. the Aslan Depot, which I haven't been uh, for, I guess, since 2018. And it looks different. It does. Um, Very different. The last time I was here, I've now made this joke to multiple people, and it's not getting funnier. <laughs> Um, but I've made this joke that the first time that I was here, it looked like Dorian Gray's parlor room. And I felt like there was crushed velvet on the walls and there was leather seats and there was um, a, a very young looking British man um, just kind of lurking in the corners. Um, uh, I don't see him now. He was now, employed by Aslan. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> We don't. We had to let him go during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Just, the overhead, didn't, didn't the, the, the expenses. No. <laughs> yeah, he was the hype man, like the guy from Mighty Mighty Boss Tones who would just dance around in the background. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was either Will or him, and <laughs> we picked Will. I. Wouldn't it be great though if we could get to a place in American craft beer where there is just a guy who is paid to sit on a bar stool, and act like an extra in an Adam Sandler movie and just be hell yes. I'm Every in, time somebody, yeah. yeah, I'm in. I pick me. <laughs> you want that job? I mean, if you could have, if easier. you could have that job at any brewery in America, to just sit at the bar for let's just say four hours during peak time, right? Ooh. Not enough to get like totally pickled, and enough to you know like support your side hustles and everything else like that. If you could be the hype man at any brewery, aside from here. 
What's the dream? The dream? God, there's so many. Mm -hmm. There are like... I think the first one that comes to mind, I would probably do that for Odell. That was really? the... That, like, Odell got me through college. It was through their beer? Through the beer. Okay. No, they didn't pay me to get through was, college. No. I was going to say, <laughs> Doug and Winnie were... Uh, this over. education is not brought to you by Odell. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, what is it about that brewery? Uh, their IPA was an IPA that kind of got me to, like understand the IPA at that this was in god like 2013 14 before that 2012 ish of uh, they don't have to be like a blast your palate out bitter bomb uh, uh, 120 IBU beer that it can be a little more balanced it can be um, they were one of the first as like a I would have been 22 that like yeah understanding that that can be how an IPA is cause and you're talking 2012 yeah because I remember 2012 and that was the IBU wars that was everybody trying to that was the pendulum swinging from we had these 12 to 20 IBU beers uh, mass produced one size fits all kind of thing and all of the brewers were saying well fuck you we want you know 125 IBUs and we want all this and it was that, sort of that extreme time so so from an early age as a drinker you went to balanced absolutely yeah one of the first uh, IPAs if you can even call it that that I had was uh, Arrogant Bastard it's uh, pretty aggressive and yeah it was a gift from a friend I didn't know what I was getting into yeah. and it uh blew my mind in all directions i okay. didn't really know what was going on i didn't know if it was a good beer or a bad beer uh and i think after that it was like the search for an ipa that felt like that but wasn't uh didn't shatter everything as after a, drinking it as a beer drinker and obviously being in colorado then what was the what was the appeal to the ipa even in 2012 because mass produced, like you could still, you know, Bud has a plant there. I mean, there, it, it's not like there is yeah. a lack of the macro stuff. No, absolutely. And it seems like IPA was a gateway for so many brewers. And I'm curious as to like drinking Arrogant Bastard and then drinking Odell. Like, what was the appeal for you? I think, like you said about about bookshops, is like having that local option. Um, was really awesome and um, even just rooting for the small guy even if they weren't local um, you know in Colorado Stone was 2,000 miles away but it was still felt better to buy than buying Bud's attempt at an IPA or yeah. whatever they were trying to do at the yeah. time I don't the, know if they ever actually did no they're the, like Coors did batch 19 but that was like I remember that uh, was that, the pre -pro, was that the pre-pro? Was that the pre-pro? Yeah. Like, Their marketing campaign was that was a basement got flooded and papers floated to the surface. And we found this recipe that had been lost for 90 years. 
and we decided to brew a beer. And it's like, if you're doing ink on paper 90 years ago and water touches it, that, that, that's game over, man. Like, that's I mean, not, yeah. They're Coors, they, they're they AB. Did, they didn't like they have me magic. asking those questions. They have yeah. magic. Yeah. They know how to, um, yeah. All right, as we're talking here. I'm going to do that because I was just moving oh, your mic. Yeah, That's all. Let's... All right. Um, when you discovered Odell and their IPA, was there – had you been thinking about a career in beer? Oh, man. I had dreams. Uh, for years, me and my partner always dreamed of opening our own spot, and it was just this, like – I was in school to be a teacher – and it was like, all right, I'm going to work as a teacher and I'm going to make money. And, you know, that's a, that's a good joke. So <laughs> that's, that's, we're gonna, a great, that's a great I'm going to make some money. It's like and, owning a bookshop. Yeah. Or running a podcast. Exactly. Once I've made all that money, I'm going to go and open my own, my own spot. And yeah. I was like, oh, I had this naive idea that summers would be the time that I would brew. And it was hard. Uh, I've met people who have done that. It, great. Not, I don't want to work that hard. Yeah. So I became a brewer. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Disruptive kids washing kegs. I feel like it's, <laughs> it's not dissimilar. I don't, I've, I, I've done neither. So. Yeah. Keg washer only cries once in a while. Kids are problematic every day. Uh, sure. <laughs> I don't, At I, least. I, again, I've also met brewers who their keg washer is problematic every day. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. So we're going to – I'm going to get back to, to what we've been talking about. But um, for the purpose of this podcast here, we're sitting here at the depot. There's you know a, a, a great group in front of us right now, and we have some beers in front of us. So I want you to tell me a story and us, the listening audience, a story of Aslan and you in three beers. And that's what we're going to do. And we have this first beer in front of us. Um, before we, you know, and we can start sipping on it. Sure. And I want you to, to, to tell me a little bit about it in a minute. But um, you didn't start your brewing career here. No. Do you remember your first Aslan beer before you started working here? Yeah. Did uh... you like it? I did. It was a style I'd never had before, so it was kind of just like eye-opening in that regard. Um, we uh, made an, an, I'll put this in finger quotes, OPA. An op uh, An oatmeal pale ale. O okay. So, uh, so an early hazy? Pretty much, yeah. 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 Uh, I think it was... Like on purpose or... Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But with way less, it wasn't dry hopped the same way. But this way. was it before was, you worked here, or yeah, okay, yeah, it was the first time that we came okay. up to Bellingham you, to visit. You are you are so entrenched that you said we made, and oh, you yeah. threw me off. Yeah. Okay, uh, sorry. All right, I uh, have only, there were only six months that we were open that I didn't work here. Okay, so it's, Aslan is yeah, it, it is you. In. You are yeah, you I'm, are Aslan. I'm very in yeah. it. Um, but yeah, the oatmeal pale ale, very smooth. Um, it wasn't dry hopped, so it's just like hopped on the hot side, like a like a pale ale. Well, okay. it might have been dry hopped. I, that's one like 
detail okay. I don't remember specifically, but it's you got to pull that out for an anniversary. I think we might up. have yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's a hazy pale ale now, right? We'd have to change the name, <laughs> but I'm pull the recipe out. I'll pull it out and be like, oh, we knew. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you, we were doing you were ahead of the curve. Boy. Yeah. Where did you guys just, just, yeah. Which, uh, when you had that beer though, and you know, before you came here, did that help with your inspiration? Because it, it, for a brewer who doesn't start at a place, there is a leap of faith that comes with, okay, I'm going to do this. And especially like with how early on you were. Yeah. Did that beer help? It did. I think generally all of my experiences at Aslan before I, and I, I think I only had two experiences before I started working here and it um, for anyone who hasn't been up to our brew pub uh, it a lot of open light or open windows bright light plants motorcycles it's like some motorcycles yeah Uh, this like couple of tow trucks yeah couple of tow trucks this like modern but not like has still feels homey Um, and this was that would have been in 2015 14 mm-hmm. that I would have gone and so that was kind of this time in the beer industry where like the beer was starting to kind of figure itself out and breweries were making better and better beer and um, they were looking to the taproom to like make a statement yeah and I think that Aslan's taproom does um, and still does to this day and the depot very different energy but that's kind of how we as we open new spots it's we try and do something um to make a statement with that. But so comfort in the tap room, you know, you walk in somewhere and it feels great. Yeah. And then you taste some beers that taste good and yeah, it it was an inspiration. Um I know uh we actually I had a friend who went to college at Western Washington, which is in town. Okay. Um and when Aslan was opening in like 2013, she sent me, <clears throat> excuse me, some Instagram posts or Facebook posts. I guess at that time it was Facebook rather than Instagram, but it was uh, of these this group of young dudes making like starting a brewery that was coming into town. She was like, "It's yeah. just down the street from the college. I'm super excited." And I had no tie to Bellingham. I don't yeah. know why she sent these to me, but ever since then it was just like I've been tied to watching Aslan grow and um does that does that friend still drink for free whenever you hang out oh yeah okay absolutely um all right so we have a beer in front of us everybody who's sitting out here has a beer in front of us uh what is what is this first beer yeah this is our Hellas uh we do this annually uh right towards the end of August um do it seasonally uh and yeah just clean easy drinking Hellas beer. Okay. Um, a lot of places do Hellas as a flagship, do Hellas as a regular offering. Um, why just once a year? Yeah, we do a Pilsner and a, an American light lager year round. Um, and we just don't have the tank space to do all of the lagers we want to drink all year. Um, so the Hellas feels... We kind of do the Hellas as like, it's almost Oktoberfest time, but like, 
it's yeah. not quite and it's still summer so it's, it's the like, precursor to yeah it. yeah it's pre-gaming for a fest beer kind of <laughs> which you also have on right now yeah yeah and they're very similar beers. Yeah. Um, we do the Hellas style fest beer rather than like the Martzen. In, in, in the years that you've been here though, have you found that there is a, does this, is this the whistle that gets people, is this the steam whistle that gets people start to be excited about Oktoberfest? Maybe. Yeah, I mean. Or even in the brew house, does this get like because you're going to have to to start lagering this before? Yeah, uh, presumably. Yes, when we when we brewed it, it, there was kind of this moment among the brew team that was like, "It's time." <laughs> I'm not ready for because uh, Washington and Western Washington specifically had a really weird start to summer. It was really cold, really wet, cold. Yeah, it's loosely cold. It yeah, was I was gonna, I was gonna say, like, yeah, it, yeah. Um, but you're welcome to Jersey anytime <laughs> you want in February and March. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it felt like summer started late. So when we brewed Hellas in July, it, it was confusing because it felt like the end of summer already, and then brewing the fest beer was even yeah. worse. It was the first time we got into like 80 degrees. We were brewing the fest beer. There's been a talk, and I feel like brewers have this, this it's a hope for a self-fulfilling prophecy of our shift beers are going to be lagers. We want everybody to drink the Pilsner. We want everybody to drink the Hellas, you know, all of that. Um, Oktoberfest will get most beer consumers interested because it comes around once a year. Sure. Have, have you found, even in a state where Rainier once reigns supreme have you found that there is interest in craft lagers Mm, mm mm-hmm and it definitely feels like it's i don't want to say it's coming up because it feels like it's kind of been here for a little bit at least for us in this community we were fortunate enough to have chuck in town for years sure um and they unfortunately just left bellingham but Having someone that makes world-class lagers, I feel yeah. like this town at least has... I mean, they moved, what, like 25 minutes south? They moved 25 minutes south and then in Portland as well. Yeah. This isn't a Chuck and Up plug. No. Uh, no. no uh, I, <laughs> listen, I'll plug them all day. That's, like, Mari and Will are wonderful. They're great. And, yeah. It, it, and it, makes great beers. And It's yeah. sad to have seen them leave town, but that's kind of the nature of COVID. Okay. Um, that's kind of how decisions needed to be made yeah. for, you know, whatever. Um, not whatever. That's someone's business. That's like, no, <laughs> but you know what I mean. But again, I, I feel like, not to get off of the logger point though, no. I mean, COVID changed breweries' directions in so many ways. Absolutely. That still won't be felt for a couple of years for the ones that stick around. Yeah. Is there something that you feel that the last two years has changed the way that you approach brewing? That I approach brewing. Or the job. Yeah. I mean, COVID's for any person has presented uh, an ounce or a pound or a ton of uncertainty. And not knowing who's going to be buying your beer, 
or how much of it you're going to be selling uh, in an industry that hopefully can rely on some forecasting that doesn't exist anymore. Some weeks you're selling tons of kegs because people are drinking draft and then yeah. some weeks people are scared and not, I don't want to say scared. People no, are feeling like they don't want to go out and drink anymore. I think scared. I think scared's fine. Like, sure. It's, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the fear's definitely still there or to an extent. How, how does that, so, so that kind of goes into the lager thing, right? Because I feel at the beginning of the pandemic, lagers did really well and familiar brands did really well mm -hmm. and things that people, a lot of drinkers weren't willing to take risks. They're like, all right, if I'm going to go out and spend $50, $100 on beer, I want it to know, I want to know that these, I, I'm going to drink a four pack this week where maybe I would drink a four pack over the course of four months. Now I'm going to drink it in a week. I want it to taste the way that I want it to. And some of those brands, you know, landed well. I'm thinking of like Bell's Too Hearted and sure. like some of the other, you know, like national brands or national-ish brands. Yeah. Did you see that with you all? And, uh, and did Lager or Pilsner fit into that? We definitely saw a stability to the flagships, uh, whether the Hazy IPA or uh, Pale Ale. Um, some familiarity with the, the American Light Lager helped for sure. Um, we'd been doing a little bit of work starting in 2018, like developing our lager program. So there was like an in-town yeah. familiarity that, that definitely helped. Um, yeah. Um, thank you. I'm gonna open a hop water right now. Hop water. Yeah. But yeah, the lagers, they have been steadily growing for us. Um, every year since 2020, we've made more of our Pilsner and our light lager than the year before it continues to grow does there need to be a thoughtfulness that comes with you, you said lager program does there need to be a thoughtfulness to do it well absolutely yeah um thoughtfulness i think patience i think whether you brew with tradition or you, Thank you. live um wholly within the tradition of lager brewing or not, I think you have to... Thank you, Aaron. Um, We're saying thank you as beer to As beer is being table. delivered, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no hiding in lager beer. Right. Um, and as brewers, you all, we all know that. Um, but this, like... We're about to drink an IPA, and there's ways to cover flaws in there, and... Um, so thoughtfulness is a great way to look at it. Um, yeah. Do you, is there an understanding or you obviously never want to do it, but if you have to dump a beer after so many weeks, if it just doesn't get to it, um, hopefully you haven't had to do that. But is there a part of the brewing experience where you have to just sort of steel yourself to be ready to do it just in case. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Even at your, even at your guys' size. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shitty feeling. Uh, it's, you never want to do it. Uh, but you set standards for yourself and 
I think that's how you keep getting better is you constantly trying to live up to the standards that you set for yourself. And if you don't, um, then down the drain. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, as you, you see breweries that, or as this industry grows, you see breweries that are smaller and smaller taking the step into quality control to, to take a, a quantifiable approach to brewing rather than just, oh, this tastes good, or you know, my palate says it's good to go, so we're gonna crash this tank and, and put it out to market, and then yeah. someone has, can't taste diacetyl, and you just put out a diacetyl bomb. <laughs> I've been there. Which we've all, yeah. Yeah. We, you know, uh, yeah, I've been to that brewery. Yeah. It, we've all been there. Um, and no shame in it. Like, well, some people can't taste it. Some people can't. You know, off flavors are, are individual. So being able to move into a quantifiable quality control standpoint uh, has helped kind of. Yeah. It, it ties into that thoughtfulness of lager brewing. Um, yeah. All right. So beer two is down. And I don't want to keep people from drinking it. Um, I'm getting one very prominent note off of this that uh, I don't want to say until uh, everybody has a chance to, to try it so as to not spoil palates. But um, I'm intrigued by what you're about to say. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even tasted it yet. But the, just, just the aroma of uh, fresh cut warm pineapple. Warm pineapple. Yeah. All right. You know, you know what I'm saying. Like, can you, you come write our beer descriptions for me? Uh, That's way better than I can do. No, you know, you get a you get a, a wooden cutting board. And you have a pineapple, and you cut it open. Specifically, a wooden. It has to be a wooden cutting. Gotcha. Board. Yeah. All right. Um, and then you cut it open, and you cut it into chunks, and you leave it for a little while, and mm -hmm. it gets down to room temperature, and it has that concentrated, dull note to it. Yeah. Is this mosaic? No. Thank God. What what what's the what's the hop that's what 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 hop is giving this this flavor? Because I, I I'm so tired of people saying like oh mosaic gives off pineapple and yeah you know, all I can get off of mosaic usually is caddy, and I was really hopeful that because we are so close to the hop growing region yeah. that you're getting great lots of mosaic that like, oh they're does, fantastic don't okay. get me wrong yeah our mosaic ipa awesome okay uh, what's what still, are the hops in this this is what are we drinking yeah uh <laughs> aaron oh aaron uh, left. we're drinking sorry the, no a confusion i know exactly what aaron, beer we're aaron drinking aaron left uh, the podcast <laughs> She's a she thinks she's like this she's is I'm out. This guy is terrible. <laughs> He's on the worst. Poor poor Austin has to sit up here. Oh, I thought him. you were talking about me. No, oh uh, God, no, <laughs> no, no. Aaron's contemplating a complete career change right now. Yeah. Back on, to bar. She's on LinkedIn. Uh, this is called Marigold IPA. Myrtled? Marigold. Marigold. Like the flower. Ah. Uh, it uh, is a clear. Ish, yeah. IPA, some more in the yeah. the West Coast family. I, I would call this like chill haze kind of kind of yeah. Ish, intentionally unfiltered. Right. World so podcast. It's, so so yeah. it's called Marigold IPA. Marigold, yeah. Like the flower, like the flower. Um, just an intentional. Let's put IPA. 
no yeah. hazy, no West Coast. It's just okay. aiming for IPA. Um, I don't even know what that means, but okay. Is there such a thing? No, I, yeah. I, I, I would hope so, but I also don't know what that would be. Uh, Georgetown uh, in Seattle I've heard of them. makes yeah. a beer called Bodhisattva, and they intentionally call that beer an IPA. And I think a lot of breweries are choosing to go in that direction of like, it gives you a lot more freedom. Um, I think in the past, an IPA meant a West Coast IPA, and now we're being forced to pick between being hazy and West Coast. And there's so much beauty of IPA in between that we don't need to pigeonhole ourselves with the qualifier. Okay. Um, and while when I brewed this beer, I wanted it to be more in the West Coast style, it's not. Because it has those hazy attributes with the pineapple. Yeah, it's very fruit forward. So what's the hop? This is Cascade, Chinook, yeah. and Peco, or Pico. Or I don't know I've that only one. ever seen it spelled. I don't know how to pronounce right. it. P-E-K-K-O. Okay, but that's where that has to come it, from. Yeah, it's a newer, came out around the time Azaka came out. Okay. Um, yeah. More in just a moment, but if you'd like to help keep the show on the air, please reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com, and I'll remind you that today's episode is sponsored by New Holland Brewing. Did you know that the term dragon's milk has been around since the 17th century? It was used to describe potent ales and elixirs that were worthy of celebration, a reward at the end of a hero's journey. New Holland Brewing Company is proud to continue that tradition today with dragon's milk bourbon barrel aged stout. It's clocking in at a robust 11% ABV and features notes of roasted malt, chocolate, and vanilla. And the legend of dragon's milk continues to grow because of that. And we'll raise a glass. Learn more and find Dragon's Milk near you at dragonsmilk.com. And now, back to the conversation. Being so close to being in the hop-growing region of America, mm -hmm. when do you start thinking about, okay, there's new hops that are coming out that I might want to mess around with? Like, when does that conversation, like, you, you, you were saying, like, before, like, oh, I'm with the brewing team, and we're talking about, okay, now it's time to brew the Hellas, which now means it's time to brew the Fest beer, and, like, that kind of thing. Yeah. When, when can you actually start thinking about new hop IPAs? Well, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, uh, Aslan is 100% organic, so that changes our... Um, availability of hops. So when Yakima Chief gets new hops and brewers are getting them, I tend to have to wait like a year or two before it goes organic. So I start thinking about that years in advance, basically bugging the rep of like, hey, when is this going to be organic? When is this going to be organic? And it comes down to when the farmers are ready to put it in the ground. And I think it takes three years for a hop field to be certified organic. Um, so they'll have like worked it through. Um, so I'll know it's coming um, from the intention of the grower, but 
I don't get the same freedom to play with hops. Are there are there, are there anybody that's messing around with organic from first gen? Uh, that you're aware of. I honestly don't know if the WSDA allows it okay. in that way. I I don't know. The, yeah, I'm, like, I'm out of my yeah, depth here. That, yeah, I'm. Uh, me too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, sw- I'm, sw- uh, <laughs> I'm swimming in the deep <laughs> no. end without a noodle. I yeah. I know quite a bit about the organics uh, in Washington, but uh, we also have a person who helps with compliance and. She, she's fantastic. So I, I, I didn't, I, I can't say that I knew about you all being organic beforehand. Um, and I, I don't know if that's something that is just not, you don't hit it over people's heads. Like, I, I remember like there were very early on, there were breweries that were really banging that drum. And yeah. a lot of them aren't around anymore kind of thing. Yeah, early organic brewing was really to put it frankly, uh, bad. Okay. Um, yeah. Organ- well, and I, I, I don't want to put that on brewers or producers or farmers. Like I think there was just a generalized everything didn't yeah. go right. No, we're gonna put it on the motorcycle. Uh, motorcycle. It was the motorcycle people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was their fault. You're right. Uh, no, I remember going to a brewery a decade ago or longer. Uh, it was the, one of the first organic brewery I went to, and everything tasted like dirt. And yeah, it was just like, and I think that's where like some people have that that idea that if you're all organic, it's going to be really earthy, and it's just like kind of crunchy granola brewing. Um, and you've proven that that's not the case. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, what what are two or three of the challenges, and then two or three of the rewards that you face? An experience. Yeah. Uh, availability. Okay. Um, is one. Um, the word's escaping me right now. Um, variety. Okay. Um, when we started, I think we had contracts for Cascade, Chinook, Centennial, and Bravo. And, and you just had to make... And we just had to make... And you're asking people, we had 18 taps when we opened, so you're asking a brewer to make 18 different beers with four hops. And the fact that we got anywhere close to that is yeah, awesome. Um, we're a lot, it's changed a lot, I'll say that. Um, we work with Roy Farms out of Yakima sure. directly. Um, they're fantastic. And they're great, and they're dedicated to it. Yeah, they're doing... Or um, committed to it, I should very say. Very committed. Yeah. They're doing all organic and all of their hops are salmon safe as well, which yeah. is um, beautiful. Uh, so can, can you really quickly, because I, I know what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know, and I imagine everybody here knows what this is. Uh, for folks who are listening at home, salmon safe being up here, I, we are in the extreme Pacific Northwest. Yes. Like we are... 25 minutes from Canada, kind of yeah, Pacific we are, Northwest. Yeah, we're closer to Canada than we are to Seattle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, depending, you know, on, on, on the day, like, that's probably a pretty good thing. Oh, it's great. Um, uh, but Salmon Safe, can, can, are, are, yeah. can you speak to that briefly? I, ooh, I can 
be very brief. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, it's great. Or uh, go long. I don't care. No. Uh, I mean, it's your place, man. <laughs> uh, so at least from like a salmon safe certification, it's about what goes into the water, like what chemicals farmers are using, what will be affecting the fish. Um, Cause they are such an integral part of our ecosystem up here yeah. that um, the more we can do to protect them generally, the, the better we're all going to be um, in the long run. Um, so a lot of it is lack of fertilizer or spray pesticides or you know, the list goes on and on. Sure. Uh, so to have uh, a farm, whether it's a, a barley growing farm or a hop growing farm that is committed to both organic and salmon safe shows a lot. I think it shows a lot for how they are committed to where we're headed um, climately. Yeah. I, it, that's not a real word, but no, I, I um, understand you know what, what I'm saying. There. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, this, in, this industry takes a toll on, on the climate. And so the what we can do to give back to it is, um, and it's not just climate. It, there's a lot more to it than that. But um, with the world we live in right now, that's kind of a big. It's on a lot of people's minds. Um, as you think about, and as beer three is coming out right now, but as you think about your brewing career ten years from now. You know, because you're in a more thoughtful part of the country, I think. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I heard I, I was at a tap room earlier this afternoon. Thank you. And you know, there 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 are people talking about you know recycling in a way that is just not common where I live. Yeah. And there 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 are other conversations that that you know that I've heard over the years of being in this area or experiencing of like you know like no waste and et cetera et cetera. Um, as you think about your future as a brewer, are you thinking a couple years ahead of how you can be more sustainable, but also lessons that you can then send out to the rest of the country? Because it's cool if you're doing it here, yeah. but if we're not doing it in Northern Jersey, what the fuck's the point? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great question. Um, Yes. Okay. Uh, no. Thank you. Good night. Everybody. All right. We'll see you later. No. Uh, I definitely, we definitely spent a lot of time thinking years in the future, uh, as we talked about, like, as hops are being grown or, um, like, the agricultural impact. But also, oh, man, I, there's so much to that question of, mm-hmm. um, I mean, you have an audience. You can, we got time. We, we got time. Yeah. I lost my train of thought. All right. Yeah. You want to talk about beer three and we'll come back to it? Sure. All right. Yeah. Some sort of delightful sour. Is it sour? I, tart? Uh, this is... A beer... Tangerini? Yeah. It's a fooder-aged Saison that has now been in bottles for three years? Two years? Really? Uh, 
we we what is the beer the beer is called francis farmer all right uh, in 2017, we won gold at Weird World Beer Cup okay. for this saison, and we've made it up until the pandemic when barrel beer became more difficult. What was for the us. difficulty? Labor. Okay. Uh, yeah, we just didn't have time um, as we weren't working. Yeah. It, so and wood is is great to like sit beer in, but. If it sits too long, then things can get really gross or really weird or just, you know, they can take a turn. Okay. Um, so Francis Farmer has been a, a beer at Aslan um, up until, I think, 2019. And then we, we haven't quite gotten back into our barrel program as much as we'd like to, but... Uh, yeah, it's a an oat-based saison that we do in a fooder, or we did in a fooder. We don't have the fooders Guys anymore. Guys are big on oats. What's that? Big on oats. We love oats. Yeah, uh, in the same uh, availability of uh, organic ingredients. Yeah, oats and wheat. That's... Yeah, <laughs> and we can get our hands on other things. We love it, but oats and wheats. Yeah, they hold us over. So, um, this is delightful. Like I'm, I, I am getting like a tangerine thing. There's a like kind of like an apricot. There's a, yeah. there's a lot of like stone fruit, like white stone fruit. And you, yeah, when you when you had mentioned sour and the aroma, I was a little concerned because it's not intended. My to apologies. Be. No, I, that wasn't not a, at all. Yeah, it it smells tart. Yeah, and to drink it and have it not be that way is what we want. Yeah, like it because it's. Uh, Brett saison. I should and throw that in there And it hits those salivary glands. Like it, like it really kind of gets everything. Yeah. You know, it gets the palate working in a good way. So this, I think, having now had all three beers, it's this is kind of a showcase to me of what I think Aslan is. All right. Um, like we are loggers, IPAs, and when we have the time and the labor to do them, really great oak aged beers so I have three questions for you then before we go so the first is the cans that we opened earlier on for those who are curious this is sparkling hop water mm-hmm. and this is an NA beverage mm-hmm. um, that doesn't quite taste like wort and it doesn't quite taste like vegetal sparkly hop water it's somewhere in between yeah like there's there's you know a niceness to it where does this fit in the portfolio uh you know the portfolio but then where does this also fit into your as a brewer drinking experience oh man hop water is my favorite i love it uh it's a bold I, statement cotton yeah We'll see how it works. Uh, is this new? <laughs> this is new. This is a new product. How new is this? Uh, we've put it out in May, April, somewhere in there, spring. I'm looking off stage to... Yeah, I know. Uh, your PR team yeah, is like, like they're, you know... They're coaching me through the whole thing. Sell it. It's available at Fred Meyer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it better not be is yet. It, is it? Is it uh, at Fred Meyer? <laughs> no, we're not ready for that yet. All right. Uh, no, we're almost there. Uh no, we, we launched it in, in April, and 
we had we've just always wanted to have an NA option. And in doing research for NA beers, it's really difficult to make without a lot of space and a lot of money. Yeah. Well, I mean, you need tunnel pasteurization. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. And reverse osmosis is like the way to go. Uh, and that was a piece of equipment that was like half a, mil- half a million dollars. Yeah. And I was like, ah, we don't have that. So yeah. uh, we're not making oh, yeah. NA beer, I guess. Um, and, you know, there are ways to do it. And it just never quite hit flavor-wise for us. Um, that's speaking of beers that ended up going down the drain of, like, test batches of NA product, like, arrested fermentation, that yeah. type of thing. Yeast um, management of NA product. It just, none of us really liked it. And so we kind of pivoted. Um, I don't want to assume that everyone has had Lagunitas hot water. But, I still have it. Oh, highly recommend it. All right. Ours is nothing like it. So this it's, that means nothing it, to this conversation. Better? No. Different? Okay. You, no. All right. Ours is way better. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. No. Uh, theirs is very different. Okay. Uh, they're a big brewery, so they can use... And they're not organic. Right. So they can use uh, organic hop oil. Or not... Or, pause. Non-organic, non-organic hop, hop oil. oil. Okay. Uh and that goes into water in a bright tank, carbonated. Okay. They add natural flavors and yeast. All right. Um, and yeah, ours is just hops and water. Um, so I, I dig it. Like it, it has this burnt orange peel flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's. I, I can't say that I have a lot of experience with hop water, and I don't know. So this is the thing. You said you wanted a non-alcoholic option. Yeah. Where does this fit in in your mind to, like, what occasion is this for? Because I'm struggling to figure out, like, is this how I end a night? Is this how I start a night? Is this, like, how I pace myself in the middle of the night? Like, That's the beauty of it, isn't it? That's, that's your choice to yeah. make. And for me personally, I love it as a spacer. Um, I love it with lunch when I want a beer. I think I do too. And yeah. I love it uh, when I'm doing a podcast and need to not drink so many beers. Sure. Uh, it's important. And yeah, it it's just, it's just me and uh, one of the owners, Jack, like we go through like a case of this a week. We're just crushing hot sure. water. And that's just at home. Like, there's the I was going to say, just, yeah, gonna say at this point, like, you should probably just have it on draft because cans are expensive these days. No one buys it on draft. Okay. I don't know what it is. I, there's, like, a visibility really? to it when people see the can of it. It makes it easier to sell because a hot water in a glass just looks like murky water. Okay. It's not, it's not the least appealing thing you can put in a cup, but... Yeah. Right. It's... It's just the the can is so much prettier. It, it, it's 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 an attractive can. Yeah. Um, on this show, for I don't know how long now, but I've been asking a question of the guests, and uh, there's this television show called The Good Place. I don't know who's seen it. Has anybody absolutely seen the Good Place, right? So in the final season of The Good Place, uh, there's a concept that is introduced called the Green Door, and you can walk through a green door. 
and be anywhere at any point in time with whoever you want to be with. So, if there is a green door on our plane of existence and this conversation could end and you could walk through it, what brewery or bar would you like to go to? What would you like to be drinking? And who would you like to be drinking with? Wow. <laughs> First of all, thanks for listening to the show. I'm, I'm, wow. Uh, man, there's so many directions I want to go with that. Um, we have a captive audience, and most of them have full beers. So yeah, if you want to give two answers, I'll let you give two answers. Um, I'm going to go for two dream spots, because I've not traveled to Europe personally. Right. Um, if I go walk through that door and end up at Cantillon, sure. I think I'd be the happiest camper. Um, or uh, have had plenty of friends talk about uh, Augustiner. Yep. And I'm just, yeah, I can go drink lager all day. And Who do you want next to you? Kirsten. No. That's very sweet. Thumbs down. Nope, not coming. All right. Uh, where, where would you be? Fair enough. Can't heal. Can't heal. Oh, I'm down for both of those. Okay. Um, Okay. Man, I think... Oh, sure. New Belgium is, yeah, that's a fine right. Green Door beer, brewery as well. All right. So you uh, go back to New Belgium. Well, speaking, speaking, of, speaking of people to sit and have a beer with, I think sitting and having a beer with Lauren Salazar would be amazing. 100%. I've had the pleasure of meeting her. She's lovely, but not in, like, a lengthy context. Okay. Um, and she's a genius. Yeah. She's a wizard. She is. Um, and I, there are... Man, there are countless brewers that I would love to sit and have a beer with. Um, yeah, we could be here all night. All right. Um, I don't know. That's such a great question. All right. Well, you can come back to me yeah, later think, on with it yeah. as, as you have a chance to think about it. So then my final thing, to sort of bring this back home, because we now have Underberg and Full Pints in front of us, which means that it's time to go do a book signing, um, is... <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Uh, I, I wonder if your early experience with Odell, if there is a part of you as a brewer that thinks, okay, there's kids at Western Washington right now. There's kids who are going to turn 21 who walk into a brewery right now. Are you brewing beer for them? Are you brewing beer that you hope puts them on 
-hmm. if not a career path similar to yours, but a flavor path similar to yours? Does that ever cross your mind? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I might not put it in those words. Okay. I think in some capacity, I am brewing beer for Austin in 2012 because I would never have believed that I would be where I am today 10 years ago. So uh, I'd, I'd always just dreamed about being in the industry and was fighting for it and here we are 10 years later. But I, I like to think about making a beer that that person would have drank and how that would how that would look for them because I wasn't in the industry at that time so it was just like hopefully at, at they would come down to the the bar and taste Marigold and be like great that's a fucking awesome IPA and I'll have two of them and bike home and yeah. see you later and it's it is awesome working at a place that is so close to campus because we do get kind of this like smorgasbord of Bellingham and college. Yeah. Wait, the uh, curious college. Yeah. And, you know, I don't work up front, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, bartenders who, bartenders yeah. can say good whether thing, that's good thing. or bad, but... Uh, All right. yeah. It's middle thumb. Ma Megan's over it's, here it's giving middle, a full it's middle, middle thumb. thumb. It's middle um, thumb. But... Yeah, I got there's I hope that someone comes in and loves those beers. I mean Jacob, no. Uh if I can make it personal for a, just a hot second. Sure. Uh my sister is dating someone new whose favorite beer is Rainier. Okay. And they have just fall in love with our light lager. And so it, I thought it was going to go a different no. way. Okay. Well, they also have fallen in love. It's like a whole okay. thing that we can go into that like, story later like, if we want, <laughs> but and that's not what this is about. I really thought you were going to say, and we're going to miss her at Thanksgiving. Well, yeah, she's not allowed anymore. No. Uh, we convinced him convinced, put that in quotations. Right. Uh, yeah. He's fallen in love with the light lager. And I, I think that there's, yeah, that's a, that's a flavor path. That's the the conversion to craft, if you will. Sure. Is like it. That sounds so bad in like a religion, but here we go. A little bit. It's. I mean. But it's not before, like that. Before craft, I uh, didn't know what I was doing with my life, and <laughs> here we are, ten years later. And Amen. And now I'm gonna retire. See you guys later. <laughs> Thank you, Cascade. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> praise Pete, indeed. Yeah, praise Pete. Is that is that are we talking about Pete's wicked? Uh, sure. Yeah. No, who did you say? I said praise B. Okay. <laughs> I don't, anyway. I don't know who Pete is. All right, but he uh, can have a. Beer I was with, saying Pete. He can Lossberg. have a beer with me I thought, I thought Pete Slosberg like was like canon. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna cut this out too. <laughs> Wait. Pause. Quiet. Austin, thanks so much. Thanks, John. That's been a pleasure. Because I'm going to cut out that first part of it. So like, it's, it's fine. Uh, thanks for doing this. And thanks for all of you yeah. for hanging out with us on a wonderful Thursday night here.
please, Ponderosa Books is hanging out. Uh, anybody who is coming to Bellingham uh, beyond tonight, uh, first of all, come visit the Aslan Depot. Um, but also, I had the chance to come uh, to Ponderosa uh, Beer and Books uh, before coming here tonight. And my God, what a cool spot. And the best. beer and books, there are a handful of bookstores that also have a great beer selection throughout the country and i can say now having visited unequivocally uh that ponderosa has joined those ranks as the must visit places if you like good literature and good beer so support your local bookstores support your local breweries uh austin thanks so much thanks everybody for being here tonight and Thank you. yeah yeah let's all go have a beer I'll mention that Aslan is in the Craft Brewery Cookbook, which is available where fine books are sold. Get a copy today. And if you have guest suggestions or feedback, you can always email me. It's John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at allaboutbeer.com, or you can get with me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. A reminder, All About Beer is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just follow along at All About Beer. And of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search, and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TWRaukbeer. We're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you would like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, today's episode is sponsored by New Holland Brewing. Did you know that the term dragon's milk has been around since the 17th century? It was used to describe potent ales and elixirs that were worthy of celebration, a reward at the end of a hero's journey. New Holland Brewing Company is proud to continue that tradition today with Dragon's Milk Bourbon Barrel Age Stout, clocking in at a robust 11% ABV and featuring notes of roasted malt, chocolate, and vanilla. The legend of Dragon's Milk continues to grow and will raise a glass to that. Learn more and find Dragon's Milk near you at dragonsmilk.com. A reminder, All About Beer has a podcast channel now. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And don't forget to go visit allaboutbeer.com. As for this show, Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>